Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. the Dallas Mavericks and once again this is not Nick this is Isaac the co-host of Lockdown Mavs Nick is currently flying back from Vegas I think he just went broke because he hit the he pulled the slots a little too many uh, too many times but uh, anyway today I am not by myself last time Nick was in the air I was by myself this time I'm not I'm joined by my partner my good friend Cole Rast, uh, the other editor, we're kind of two different, we're two halves at the Smoking Cuban. There's two editors that kind of run the show, and it's it's Cole and myself. And so, yeah, I have Cole with me today. And Cole, how was the home run derby? And you're giving me some, some flack about watching the derby, but I watch the derby every year. It's one of my favorite events. It's really, truthfully, it probably is pretty boring to most people, but this year it was more exciting. There's two rookies in the, in the Derby, both of them big home run hitters. you got Aaron Judge from the Yankees. you got uh, Cody Bellinger from the, uh, the Dodgers, and then you got another second-year player, Gary Sanchez from the Yankees. It, I don't know. It's just There's something about having these young guys that are taking over the league that, that really interests me. But I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a big Texas Rangers fan, so I was watching even though we didn't have anyone in it, but if you didn't get a chance to watch it, go watch Aaron Judge hit a 513 foot bomb. 513 feet? Yeah, it was it was monstrous. He hit the roof of the Marlins Stadium twice today. Wow, that reminds yeah. me. The last time I remember being really excited about an All Star Weekend of baseball was Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Yeah, it's today wasn't wasn't quite that, but it was it, it's entertaining for a guy. I think. I think Aaron Judge, I think Judge is 25 years old, and then, yeah, there are a couple guys in their early 20s that are, that are spanking the ball. Do you think Dallas could, yeah. could sign Aaron Judge? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's six foot seven. he can't be that bad. Heck yeah. What was more exciting? I think he's going to be better than Josh McRoberts, that I've seen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> or Dwight Powell. <laughs> so so Cole so Cole and I have been together for a couple years now covering the Mavericks. So Cole can attest to my my distastefulness towards Dwight Powell. He's heard it forever. It from day one. I swear, <laughs> he walked in the gym and there was just a, a cold feeling over over Isaac when he saw him. He said, "I'm never gonna like that guy." <laughs> no, I have nothing. I have nothing against this guy personally. I just and I think he's You're actually a great guy. Yeah, and but he seems like a, on the court so much. it's just, and when he signed his contract, it's just, it made everything, I don't know, expand on my yeah. dislikefulness of him. But whatever. So, I'm trying to think. Mavs news right now, we don't have a ton. We're going to stand still. Is this, so 
I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I was on our, our site where we write our things before we publish them. And we can kind of see what, you know, I can, Cole and I can see, you know, what other people's writing on our st- site and our staff and stuff, what they're working on. And I saw you working on a piece about how this off season's not really, you know, it's not setting well to some fans. And I think we both can agree it's been quiet, it's been slow. But is this like a good thing? Like how, how should fans feel right now? See, that's a good question. And that, that post will be coming out soon. My main point with that post is all about how these match fans have been tough to please. Because the other two, Vernon Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle, they've been chasing free agents right and left for five years, and fans have been going crazy about it, right? I mean, people hate it. You get, get these big names on free agency, and, and we don't want to chase them. We want to, we want to rebuild, or we want to, you know, there, there's a different excuse every time. And so now we have this season, and, and Cuban and, and Donnie are finally like, okay, we're going to sit still, we're going we're gonna to stick with our team, we're going to rebuild some new sets. People are going crazy. They're saying, why aren't we chasing these guys? Why aren't we going after this guy and that guy? And I just don't know if there's a winning situation. Um, but to, to your point, um, I think we should be happy with this offseason. I think that once we, we grabbed Dennis Smith in the draft, our whole, our whole approach for the offseason changed. And I think it changed for the better because, as we've seen from, from Junior so far, he's, he's the real deal. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, I think that we're making good moves. I think that we're, we're letting people pass that would be wasting our time. So I don't know. It's, it's a different offseason, and I think that's what's sitting away with most people. Yeah, and you make a good point of we have to figure out what we want. You know, over these past few years, everyone whines and says, oh, we chased the big fish. Oh, we went after Dwight Howard. We went after Carmelo. We went after this and that. And now we finally we finally don't go after these people, don't hand out stupid contracts, and now people are complaining because, you know, we're, we're not doing anything. So... I don't know. You you make a you make a good point with that. Of, I think we should be happy right now. And you mentioned you mentioned De- Dennis Smith. How? What were your thoughts over the weekend watching him play? And I know we were te- we texted about it as a staff on our group text. We were texting all about who he you know who he reminds us of. And what do you kind of share your thoughts about Dennis Smith going forward with Dallas? And who you who do you think he resembles the most of? Um, well, I guess to preface it, Dennis Smith looks amazing right now, and he's outplayed all the other rookies that he's played against. He's, he's looked fantastic, and he looks like he, he wants to be there. And sometimes with early picks like that, you know, they, they know they're going to be picked early, they know they're going to be great, and they don't take the summer league very seriously. You can just tell that he wants to, he wants to prove himself here, which I really like about him. He's, he's definitely got that drive. Um, as far as comparison goes, uh, in the chat, I talked about how he, when he goes towards the hoop, he looks just like MVP Derrick Rose. Maybe not for that level, but his style of, of getting to the hoop, creating his own shots in the lane, is it, it really is very similar. And I know that's the player that he's compared himself to in the past. Um, but we saw on Sunday that he can shoot too, so you know, maybe, he's a, maybe he's his own breed now. That's and, uh, a, that's his thing. If he can if he can keep if he can be consistent from behind the arc. Like we we saw his first step. Like we know he can drive past almost everyone. Mm-hmm. But if he can be consistent from 
behind the arc, that's going to be, I mean, the sky's the limit then. You know, you don't want to le- use the cliche lines, but, I mean, wow. Like, what could oh, no, it, Then it's like, what, what, what could he turn into then? So. Well, could he be more like a uh... – like a more athletic, maybe less pass first Steve Nash, because remember Nash in his heyday was it was great at getting in the lane, but man, they had to respect that three to so much that it made it that much easier for him. That's true, because I think I, I think an underrated part of Smith's game is his passing ability, is his playmaking. You know, is it Steve Nash? No, it's not Steve Nash, but it's not. You know, I've joked before, like now in these two summer league games, he has teammates. Like, he actually has good players around him compared to NC State. So, and that's just going to, you know, expand even farther when he, you know, gets in training camp and he has Dirk and Matthews and Barnes and people surrounding him like that. It's like, holy crap, like, I actually have good teammates around me that can hit an open shot, so. Yeah. If, if Matthews can start to shoot again, I think it'll, it'll make Dennis Smith twice as effective on the court. Does he have that outlet pass along with with Barnes and Dirk? I mean, that's such a such a dangerous combination. What do you think about his fit in the backcourt with Seth Curry? It's a good question. Because I'm not the biggest fan of it. I think I think he works. I think it would be perfect with Wes because Wes yeah. would just counter him defensively, and then you roll out the you know Dennis Wes Barnes Dirk Nerlens. And then, you know, they take Dirk out, what, four minutes into the game and put Seth in. Right. You know, whatever it is. But I don't know. I, I like the fit of Wes alongside of him. I'm just scared of having two six three guys in the backcourt that don't really specialize in defense. I get that. Um, I think that the, the matchup is going to be tough. I mean, those two, both of them can create their own shots fairly well. They can both the lights out. They can both get to the rim. Um, so the matchup for the other team defensively is going to be tough. Um, on the other hand, I know the biggest fear with, with Dennis Smith was that his defense wasn't going to be up to par, but obviously the, the summer league can't tell you anything about that. He hasn't breached NBA competition still, but he looks good. He's had, some, he's had a lot of steals. He's had, he had that monster block the other day. Yeah, and I like the piece you just came out with. I think it was yesterday, maybe, or maybe even t- this morning, about how, like, we need to give him time still. Like, he's going to take time to develop. And it's kind of... Yeah, that one was this morning. He's just, you know, it's, it's every young player. You can't, you can't expect greatness. You can't expect a LeBron or a Kevin Durant right away. It's not. There are so few players like that that you can't just um, see him play well in front of the league and assume he's going to be the next big thing. you got to give him time and... And if we assume that he's going to get those numbers from the summer league into the NBA, then we're, we've lost our minds, and, and we can't expect that. Yeah, because I think, you know, we're going to look at that and say, okay, he's put up 25, he's put up, you know, what, 18, or whatever it is, 16. He's had two big games. Even, you know, if he doesn't play another game in the summer league, which looks like it might be an option, you know, we're going to have these – there are going to be fans out there expecting him to come in night one, putting up 20 to 25 a game. And I think it is important that you wrote that piece, and it's just a reminder to the fans saying, hey, like he's going to be fun, and he's going to throw down some nasty dunks, and he, he might have some games where he, he puts up 30. 
but we need we just need to tone it down some of expecting cuz i heard a guy today is either is either on the fan or espn radio or some espn dallas or something like there was a guy that was talking about Dennis Smith and he said you know i think dallas is you know is going to be right there in the playoffs because of Dennis Smith and him coming in and i'm just like whoa that's a little crazy like you know like yeah you know, we like to be optimists a lot and yeah, I guess if you could make a point about Dallas, you know, making the playoffs, I just don't. If I'm going to make that point, I'm not going to start off with Dennis Smith Jr. and saying it's because of him. And that's just you're putting too much, too much on this guy's shoulders coming in. Right, and I think a big part of that is that people know Dirk's about to go, and they they need someone to cling to. And and people are forgetting this is a Barnes team. This isn't this isn't Dennis Smith's team yet. This is Harrison Barnes' team, and he's going to be the leader of this team. Uh, both vocally and what's playing on the or what's the play on the court, um, but people are so hopeful and, and I think just so so terrified of the the post Dirk era that they're just clinging to anything they can. And it's you know a lot, a lot of people are going to do that, but you got to realize that it's just it's, it's outlandish. Can can you can you imagine how or just to look back? And I know I mentioned this the other day, but. Looking back at this time last year, almost a little over a year ago, and we had just struck out with Whiteside and Conley. The oh, you we, know, got Bogut, <laughs> we got Bogut. You know the whole. You know, it was pre you know, pre Kevin Durant, right? In the, those right. few days to where Kevin Durant made his decision to go to Golden State, we were sitting there, and what a gloom and doom time for the Mavericks that we missed okay. out once again. And our biggest, our best young assets we had was Justin Anderson and Dwight Powell. And over the course of over the course of twelve months, are you? I mean, what kind of job has Donnie pulled off? Of in twelve months, you know, we got Harrison Barnes, we got Nerlens at the deadline, we you know we drafted Dennis Smith Jr., you know, found Yogi and even Dodo and how I mean, how crazy of a job has Donnie pulled off over the past year? I mean, he's got to be one of the most underrated GMs in the game right now. People don't realize it because when you're losing, people don't look at you. It's as simple as that. You know, it's the same with MVP races. It's the same with with All Star selections. Everything. If you're losing, you don't you don't catch anyone's eye. And that's especially true with front offices. I mean, Donnie in the past has been looked at as a great GM, but these last couple of years where we faltered and, and taken a step back. You know, he's out of the conversation again. So, it's just these little building blocks. I mean, think about the Warriors. Think about other teams. Obviously, we're nowhere near what they did, but the way they rebuilt inside their system, I mean, that's kind of that's what the Mavs are trying to do right now, is, is rebuild inside the system, get these small free agents that are young, that have a lot of potential, and then and then build the draft. And, and Donnie and, and Cuban and all those guys understand that, and they're starting to, to really see what the league, which direction the league is going. Yeah, and you almost have to just have to strike luck, really, and strike gold with... I mean, you look at Golden State, and I know we've, we've talked about different times about Golden State and how, you know, everybody knows, okay, they developed their big three before Durant within their system. They drafted Draymond in the second round, and, you know, Clay, you know, was coming out of college, and, oh, he was just a shooter, and, you know, he still went... Well, Clay went still top ten, I think, and... Yeah, I think he was the highest of the three, wasn't he? 
He could have. I think he was. And then, you know, Steph came out, and we all know what Steph was, you know, skinny guy, didn't have a position, blah, blah, blah. But what makes, you know, what made Golden State, and this, they're like super team that people like to talk about, and why I, I don't think that's, ever, you know, that's really ever going to happen again for a while is because so much of that, you know, hinged, hinged on Steph Curry's ankle injuries at the beginning of his career that resulted in him getting that four-year, $44 million deal at the end right. of his rookie contract, you know, to where the next, as soon as he signed that deal and he got healthy that next year, you know, he was immediately putting up, you know, all-star numbers, making $11 million for the next three or four years. And that's what, you know, that's what made their situation so unique. It wasn't just drafting, but they had to have some luck in there too. So for Dallas, you know, finding the luck in there, and I think this is where I've been, the only frustration that I've had this offseason is to find those like kind of lucky type guys is, you know, we threw the, we threw the flyer out there with Seth Curry and look, it turned out pretty well, but like, like I wanted us to do that so bad this offseason with like a Ben McElmore got $5 million a year. I mean, you know, I was, I don't, that's the only thing that's, that's, that's kind of frustrated me some is seeing some of these guys out there, I mean, even if you want to say Tyreek Evans, I mean, he's not like a super young flyer, but what did he get, like three, three million dollars a year? Three, or something? three I think, yeah. Come it on. Was real, real low. So, Which, I don't know. I get, I get your point there, but you also got to see that the Mavs, I mean, look at how we lucked out last last summer. We, we, we didn't win from the draft. We won by getting undrafted free agents, or undrafted rookies. We got uh, Doreen Finney-Smith, we got Yogi Ferrell, obviously not at the beginning of, uh, of the year, but and I think that may be the direction that they were looking for because how, how how deep this draft was. I mean, look at some of the guys that didn't get drafted. Maybe that's maybe that's the direction they wanted to go all along was see who, who fell out of the draft and start calling people immediately. And I think that one of those guys could be Motley. I mean, that guy looks good. He looks good. He looks I think like he's a, got a chance at a roster spot. He reminds me, when I see him on the floor, he reminds me of like our version of Montrez Harrell. Yeah. Exactly. I completely agree with that. Hopefully he turned you know, he actually turns out, you know, some which I think Harold will be fine in the league, but Yeah. So we haven't talked about Nerlands too much. The situation with Nerlands at this point, like my thought process going into free agency after the first day or two and now up to this point, it's like continuously changed. How how right. do you feel at the moment? Now we're what we're ten days into free agency, four days past the moratorium, and Nerlens is still not signed. Like, how are you feeling? What is your thoughts on that right now? Well, I haven't really lost any sort of hope or faith with him. I mean, the Mavs are going to get him. It's, I don't think that's in question. Still, I think that um, I really think that they're just letting him. Put feelers out there. I think they want him to know his value a little bit around the league. I mean, he's still. If you look at any any place on the internet, if you look for the top free agents still remaining, Noel is number one. He has been since uh, all the big guys signed the first day. I mean, his, his name. He's been the number one center since the beginning, and he's been number one since all the all the big signings. But um, I think that they they really just want him to to understand that that they really are willing to pay him anything. Uh, that's 
maybe that's a little more hopeful that that's the plan as, as opposed to something really bad. But I think it is just let him let him understand his worth a little bit and then know that he's a Mav and he's going to be a Mav for a while. And and uh, and maybe even give him a chance to, to look at the young pieces the Mavs are put together. I mean, this, the Orlando League, this Vegas League, these Mavs teams have been putting in work and they look good. I mean, obviously only a couple of those guys are going to have a chance at a roster spot, but it shows the, the direction the Mavs going. Yeah, and to where my mindset has changed, you know, going into free agency, I was like, all right, you know, we're going to get something done pretty pretty quick with Nerlens. I thought, you know, just ASAP. You know, I'm like, all right, we're going to get something done pretty soon. You know, Cuban them, they've just been talking so much about it. And, you know, like, he's going to lock, you know, they're going to lock him in. Then they didn't. Then we're a couple days into free agency. And then I'm like, okay, this is where I think my mind's at. They already have a deal in place, like, kind of underneath the table. But they're going to wait to sign it because they have other deals up their sleeve. Well, then that didn't. Then it, then it just kept on going, and we didn't do anything. And then I was like, "All right, well, it's." I think it's still one of two things. Either then I'm like talking myself into, "Okay, there's two different options now. Either they still have a plan in place with the deal underneath the table, or the ball's in Nerland's court, and they're just letting him out there. You know, Nerland's is controlling it, saying, "Let me see my offers and stuff." Well, now I've, now I'm at the point to where I've completely eliminated the first option, and now I think it's just purely in Nerland. I don't see any case. I don't see him. I mean, I just don't see any possible move right now that Dallas could make that has pushed everything off. You know, unless something comes out of left field, we just don't know. But it doesn't seem like that. So now it just seems like it's in Nerland's court, and is who's gonna who's gonna offer at this point? So. I'm curious if this, if they just sent so like gave him a number and said this is this is where we would like to sign you. This is the amount that we would like to to have you at. And if if you're offered more, we're going to pay you that much more. But this is this is like where we feel like we could still build the team around you. You could make, we could make you a focal point. I wonder if that's what they started with. And now he's just really really is just looking for for those extra couple million dollars. And and that wouldn't be surprising. And people shouldn't take that as like him being greedy is him finding out his value in the league and that's something that every player does. Yeah, I don't I don't blame Nerlens at all. If that's what he's doing, I mean he's what, twenty two and he's you know, he's had knee injuries. I mean he's had he's had those issues to where you know, you never know. I mean we we know we think he's healthy now and you know obviously Dallas thinks he's healthy if they're gonna give him money, but you know, if you've had those injuries and stuff, it takes this one more before you did it you know, your stock just to plummet and so go out there and get your money, big fella. Like, I don't blame you one bit. From a Mavs fan perspective, you know, we want you as cheap as possible. <laughs> but we, yeah, there's only one Dirk. <laughs> there's only one Dirk. How, how did instant reaction when you saw Dirk's contract come across your phone? Honestly, my, it's actually funny. The, my parents were, both saw that and were like, how are we paying him that little? And my first reaction was, that makes sense. I mean, that is such a Cuban and Dirk deal. They've been making those deals since, or for years now, um, and I think we all knew that he was going to take that. We all knew that he was going to he was going to make the, the you know the, the path for the team a little bit easier. And I'm pretty sure we all are guessing that he's going to be with the Mavs for a lifetime, not just not just for his playing career. But that being said, I did not expect it to be that low. 
Yeah, because we, we really had no clue. Like, we knew he'd be back, but, like, we have saw these situations happen before, and we saw, like, the first time it kind of happened, you know, he came back and had a huge pay cut, making, like, $8 million a year. But then we saw, like, back last year, and he came back on, like, 20-something a year. So it was like, what's going to happen this summer? And, I mean, $5 million a year, like, I just feel bad. I feel bad even, like, writing that number or even seeing that number in, like, a, I don't know, a chart or something, looking at our salary cap. Like, there's just something that's not right about Mick Roberts and Dwight Powell making more money than than Dirk. Like, it's just, oh, That's too true. It bothers me. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. Ooh, all right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Do you have a gut reaction on what you think the Nerlens contract will look like when it's all said and done? I, I mean, it'll... <laughs> it's really I hard. I mean, it's... Like, <laughs> the max deal. I think he is. It, I just don't see any other way that happens. I think that even if another club doesn't offer, I could still see Cuban giving him the max just because he wants to show him that he's a, he's a maverick, and that's kind of how Cuban works. I could see him coming in. I said last pod, I think I think he's going to settle around like four years 80. Because like my, exci- my, my like level of, not really excitement, but my level of, I don't even know how to describe it, of his contract number to where it's like, if it's below 20, I'm thrilled. Like, I'm super happy. If it's t- 20 to 22, I'm like, okay, like, I'm satisfied. Can deal with that. Yeah. If it's max, I'm like, hmm, okay, well, we had to do it. <laughs> That's kind of like my feelings on, like, I don't see, you know, he's going to be back. But I just, that's my level. If we can just get him at 20 or below, then I, I'm super happy. But yeah. hopefully we just get something soon. Like, I'm just tired of waiting. Atlanta, figure no figure out your crap and figure out if you're going to offer him or not. Or Brooklyn, like, y'all need to figure it out now. Seriously, you even run, about, run, out about, run out of things to talk about him. Like, I know. I haven't posted about him in a while, and I'm just like, man, we've, we've gone through every possible option. Yeah. We just need to repost something whenever he does sign. Yeah, we're just, we're kind of like, we're just tired of it. Like, we're just, just sign, sign, get it over with and figure it out. We talked about Cuban a little bit ago. No, let me get to that in a little bit. I'll skip to that. <laughs> While we're talking about free agency, how upset? <laughs> I, this question's funny because I know your love for this player because we've been writing together for a couple years now. How upset are you that Danilo Gallinari is a clipper? I, I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> I My brother texted me right after he signed, because he knows Gallinari is my favorite player outside of the mouth. And people don't understand it, and I get that they don't understand it, and I get why they don't understand it, but he is my favorite player. And to see him in a clipper's uniform is going to hurt. <laughs> It is going to hurt. Like, it was bad enough watching him play for the Nuggets. Like, at least 
the Nuggets had some success last year, and it was like, oh, he's finally, you know, getting his getting his dues, and then they they let him go, and he's going to be with the Clippers, and who knows what the Clippers are going to look like. They could be a top four team. They could be a bottom five team. They have so much variety in that, in that roster now. But, yeah, I wasn't happy to hear that. I wish he would have gone pretty much anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere else but a Clipper. That was my thoughts about Teodosic, too. But because yeah. I hate the Clippers, but I am I am going to enjoy seeing him throw lobs because I do agree with Pat Beverly. I think he's immediately the best passer in the game, best passer in the world, and it's going to be really fun to watch him in the NBA. That's what I said about Rubio too. <laughs> don't even don't you compare <laughs> Tidosis to Rubio. That's what they said about Rubio. You can't argue that. I like well Tidosis is like thirty. They said that about Rubio, and he's like what. 13, he hadn't even hit puberty yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's when he hit his last jump shot. (laughs) That's cold. (laughs) All right, so while we're talking about free agency, we don't think Dallas, the way it looks, we might not do anything else in free agency besides New Orleans. Is there any free agent, middle tier, flyer type, restricted guys that are still on the market that you think would be a good fit or you think that Dallas might entertain over this next week? That's a good question. I, there is one guy that I've, I've actually thrown around a couple times. Um, I know that there's a lot of distaste for him. Um, and I, I actually, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that he's still a restricted creation or what his, his deal is, but I really like Miritich from, from Chicago. Yeah, he's restricted. Uh, he's still, he's still uh, or up in the air. Yeah. I feel like he could, I feel like he could be an option for, for a low deal, especially if they decide not to even try on him and he becomes unrestricted or, or however that process works. Um, I feel like he could, he would fit well. We obviously need a forward, um, even with the trade made last week, we obviously still need a forward. Um, but I think, I mean, he's 26 years old. He can shoot well. He plays defense about as well as Dirk does. <laughs> I, think he, I think he could fit in pretty well. You know who I would take obviously him over? he a big shot in the, in the shooting, but what was that? You know who I would play him over? Josh McRoberts? <laughs> Dwight Powell. <laughs> I was just giving you two options. Um, do you think Dallas will kick the tires on Jonathan Simmons or Jermichael Green? I think they'll both be out of the price range by the time people realize that they're still out there. So, yeah, and same um, thing, like, I, you've been interacting on Twitter, I saw it. Same thing with KCP, with Caldwell Pope. I know his value has went down, but it hasn't plummeted. Like, it's not Darren Williams, let's sign for, you know, $5 million, you know, deal. Like, it's not gonna, I don't... He's right. not going to. I think people have overestimated how much cap space we still have. I I don't think people realize that we're basically on the to, to the point where we are going mid level and and veteran minimums, and there's not much more we can do at this point. Yeah, I mean Dallas still has a little creativity, but it it would get super complicated. Like Dallas is bringing back Devin Harris. That that looks like a no brainer at this point. That yeah. you know that's happening. So. It looks like Dallas is just going to ride this out, and that might not set well with Dallas fans, but it looks like they're just going to ride it out. 
play the undrafted market, see, you know, whatever it is, and kind of set the table. This is a piece that I'm, I just started tonight. I'm going to try to get out over the next day or so. They're setting the table for 2018, the next summer. And that's going to be – next summer could be the the summer that changes everything for the franchise. And is it you – know, a lot of decisions next summer. We're going to have a top ten draft pick probably again. They don't want to be, like, pessimistic about that, but it, good chance of that probably. And we could right. be one of the only teams that have, like, big-time cap next summer. So you take our young core – and next summer, you look at you still have a player option for Wesley Matthews next summer. You have Seth Seth Curry coming up in free agency. What do they do? You know, what does Dirk do next summer? But you still have that Barnes, Nerlens, Dennis Smith to build around, and then adding maybe another top ten pick. Then having this massive cap space. I don't know. So they're setting the table for next summer. So it could be a long, rough season in Dallas. But I don't know. We'll see. I want to. Yeah. I want to talk about Cuban's comments on Sirius XM Radio. He he was on there. He was talking about different things uh, in Vegas. I guess it was yesterday. And, you know, this is stuff that we've we've heard. It was reported on back then, different times, that, hey, like, Donnie wanted, you know, Donnie wanted the Greek Freak in the 2013 draft. Like, he wanted him. We know how you know, how respected Donnie is in international scouting, how, you know, we're constantly, the Mavericks are constantly mentioned, like, oh, there's nobody better. You know, there's nobody better than the Mavericks of scouting internationally, all this stuff. Well, Cuban was asked about that by Brendan Haywood, of all people, on Sirius XM Radio yesterday in Vegas and about, you know, with the Greek freak and if there was a chance with that. And, you know, Cuban told him, he's like, hey, we had a choice. Like, we had... We had the opportunity to get him, and Haywood, I give him. He had the, you know, he had the balls to ask him. Cuban, he said, "Whose decision was it not to draft him?" And Cuban, you know, he manned up. He's like, "It was me. It was all me." He said, "Donnie wanted him." Like Donnie said, Donnie was in the war room, and he put his, you know, what's on the table, and said, "I want him." Like we're all in. Uh, he he said Donnie was all in on him. But once again, it's kind of what we started the whole podcast with. Dallas had this plan to chase the big fish in free agency, and that was the year Dwight Howard. And that was the year they were were chasing Dwight Howard in free agency. They wanted more cap space and all that stuff to chase him. Not only more cap space, but they wanted somebody to, to play like then, somebody to make an impact then. And he made the comment of, we knew, he said, we only had two tapes on the Greek freak. Like, he said, we, we knew he was, he was like three years away. And, it's heartbreaking because you know just you know Dallas tra- Dallas traded that Dallas took Kelly Olynyk at the thirteenth pick. They traded Olynyk to Boston. You know, completely got out of the first round first round at that moment. Two picks later, Antetokounmpo went to Milwaukee at fifteenth, and then you know Dallas traded back into the eighteenth spot with I think maybe Atlanta, and you know selected Shane Larkin obviously in. Dallas fans always link Larkin with the Greek freak. And I don't know. It was just how long will this wound last for for Mavs fans? Well, it's just we just got to suck it up because the, you know, the, the 2013 draft was 
can go down. I think it can go down and will go down in history as the worst draft in Mavericks history. <laughs> and I think that I think that's a I think that's a safe thing to say. But at the same time, you can say it about you know ten teams in that draft. It was a horrible draft. Yeah, Anthony Bennett was first. If you don't remember that. Oh my gosh. Um, Cody Zeller was in the top five. Alex Lynn was in the top five. Trey Burke was in the top ten. Alex Lynn? Have, He's a restricted free agent right now. <laughs> what? Nobody wants him. Yeah, but you just, I mean, you, you, you just got to realize that, that was just a horrible year for drafting. I mean, you got CJ McCollum dropped to ten. Uh, Giannis dropped to fifteen. Even Dennis Schroeder was down at seventeen. Um, Mason Plumley at twenty-two. Tim Hardaway at twenty. Tim Hardaway Jr. at twenty-four. Rudy Gobert was 27. I mean, that was just, every team struck out in that draft. The, the teams that got the right pick and got it, they were like, I mean, it's as simple as that. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it sucks and it's going to hurt, but we just got to get over it because maybe maybe that was one of the worst drafts or the worst drafts in Nova history, but this one could go down as the best draft since, since Dirk. Yeah, for sure. So we, we can start healing that wound this year, maybe. It hurts more for Dallas fans mainly because we have our owner admitting that our GM and War Room was wanting to select him, and he nixed it and he cut it off. Like it would, I think it would be better for us if other owners came out before, came out too, and said, "Oh yeah, that you know we wanted him too, and we this and that." But it hurts, and I'm not gonna lie, the the better he gets, and I love him, like. You love you love the Greek freak like we all like him. Oh, yeah. I hope he do- I hope he does great. But there is a side or two that's like, man, this sucks watching him dominate, and that could be in Dallas. But but it's not, and we just you can't dwell on stuff. We have Dennis Smith Jr. now, so we can be happy about that, I guess. And yeah, Milwaukee is probably here for a break anyway. So yeah, a break not in Jabari's knee. <laughs> First one, first one in years. So. Do you find it funny, like I do, that people are now making a big deal about how the Eastern Conference sucks whenever it sucked for like twenty years? I think it's just the, the dramatics of it now. I mean, the Eastern Conference hasn't been as good as the Western Conference in living memory for me. Good, yeah. I mean, you think about the best teams that have come out of the East since like the turn of the century, you got like the Pistons, early Pistons, the, the Celtics with their big three, and even, I mean, the Nets with Jason Kidd and Vince Carter, I mean, aside from LeBron, the East has been terrible for 15 years. Yeah. And you know, so, you know, I've had friends and stuff that, you know, that are huge LeBron fans and they say, okay, well, well, it's not LeBron's fault. And I get that as far as he, he hasn't had talent to go through. But a lot of things that people bring up to me sometimes, like, well, players are so scared. Like, why don't they come to the East? Like, players go to the West, you know, because they want to get away from LeBron. And that's not always get, not always the case because you look at the superstars in the West, like, they were either drafted or traded to the team they are at. And then they're superstars. Yeah. So, like, you look at Westbrook or, you know, Harden was traded to Houston. And you just look up and down – Besides, you know, KD's recent decision, which it obviously worked out for the best, but it's not like a bunch of these, you know, stars and all these top tier teams in the West have had these choices to go 
you know, go east or not. They've been drafted right. there, yeah. traded there. Yeah, and even the new guys, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, these guys got traded to the West. There's no controlling it. It's what the team thinks is best for them. But when you think of who the team, who Chicago got for Jimmy Butler and who, who Indiana got for Paul George, I mean, those aren't stars. Those are killers. Yeah. Even, um, I mean, there's just so many examples. You just, like, you gotta wonder. But my question for you is, and this is a question we've, what we've asked a dozen times, but legitimately, if there was a, uh, if they took the playoffs and went 1-16 to 16 without conferences, now this last year, or interestingly, the top 16 teams were actually the 16 teams that were in the playoffs. Hmm. But if they ranked them 1-16, to 16, who, I mean, how does Cleveland get past the San Antonio Spurs, the Houston Rockets, even, even the Clippers and the Jazz could have given them a run? Oh, yeah. Like, even, like, there's a difference between because when you get to the playoffs, it becomes the it becomes the stars league. You know, it's a completely different ball game than regular season. So when you when you have a team, you know, even like I, even I bring up Oklahoma City, like can you imagine like the Cavs having to deal with Westbrook? Like having to deal with Westbrook almost equals out any of those other like you know peddling little Eastern Conference teams that they have to deal with, like. Having to yeah. deal with Westbrook in round one—I mean, that's a huge, like, huge difference between having to deal right. with whoever they played. Right. You could compare that to them playing Boston in the in the Eastern Conference Finals with Isaiah Thomas being the star player and then and then good role players around him. I mean, that's that's probably a decent comparison. Like Oklahoma City is probably the same level as Boston, and they were the seventh seed. <clears throat> yeah, and that's what. You know, if they if they split the conferences, you know, and, and you know, Cuban was on the broadcast, at, you know, at the game, and he said the summer league game on Sunday, and he said, "Hey, you know, we are rebuilding right now, but if we were in the East, we would not be rebuilding." And, but you know, if they split the conferences, my whole thing with splitting the conference, or if they just made it one through sixteen, or however we said it was, you know, I, you would have to change up the scheduling because. Sometimes people throw out and say, "Okay, well, the you know the East isn't that bad because look at these records. You know, look at the teams at the top of the East and look at their records. Like their records just as good. Yeah, their their records are just as good as some of these other teams. Okay, well, it helps when you're playing the Magic like fifteen thousand times in the season. Okay, like it's it's all about who's in your division too. And you like people forget you play the teams in your division what four times." Each of those teams, and so like, you play your conference more than the other conference. yeah. So, yeah, that's people forget that argument whenever you know people like to throw out like Toronto and they're like, oh, they won you know ninety games. You know, obviously it's not true, but they won this amount of games. And you know, look at the Rockets; they only won this amount. And I'm like, really? Like, don't give me that. Like, <laughs> that's a horrible argument. Right. Yeah, and I mean. It's just amazing. Like, you look at the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year for, for the East versus the West. You get, like, the Miami Heat. They had a great run, but they, I mean, they're, they're, not, a, they're not a team of stars. They have Dragic and they have Whiteside. And you had a bunch of guys that had good years. You know, you got the Pistons after that. You got the Hornets, the Knicks, the Magic. All these teams are, you know, they, they didn't deserve to make the playoffs. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And then on the other side, you got the Nuggets who, who have some. Excellent players. You got the Pelicans, who obviously made some big trades. 
And then if you look at coming into this year, you got the Suns who are, getting, are just getting better. You got the Timberwolves who are obviously going to be great. Um, the Pelicans, the Nuggets, even you know the Thunder are going to be much better. The Clippers are. Who knows what's going to happen with them? The Rockets are going to be better somehow. I, I shouldn't even give you a prediction of the top eight teams. Not even an order in the West. I couldn't. I shouldn't tell you who's going to be in the playoffs, let alone where they will be seated. I know, and that's what, like, the only teams that I would, the in the West that I would say are not making the playoffs at the moment would be probably the Kings and the Lakers. Yeah, <laughs> like, same thing, too, and maybe the Mavericks. But. And the Suns, may, you know, I'd, I'd say the Suns probably, just because I look at some of these other teams and I'm like, I like them more, but. Yeah, the Suns are still young, but, man, Devin Booker's going to be a anyway. Yeah, but so, I mean, you look at the, even the Thunder. Thunder's going to roll out Adams, Patrick Patterson, Paul George, Roberson, and Westbrook. It's a heck of a starting five. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're probably going to be a six seed or you know, five, you know, five through seven. Yeah, and then you talk about the Timberwolves. Yeah, I mean, you you don't want to like overhype them. Like they had their overhype last year, but you can. Like, I don't see any scenario in which you say, like, I get the only thing of people saying, oh, they don't have any outside shooting, but come on. I mean, you you take that core and you're, you're adding Jimmy Butler, you know, you're switching. I don't think the Jeff Teague to Rubio thing is, I didn't really agree with that, but Taj Gibson yeah. even, you know, also, and it, the way Tibbs is talking, they might not be done. They almost got C.J. Miles, so... I mean, they're going to be – What's the, I asked Nick this the other day, and I, I want to ask you, what, what's the highest that Minnesota could finish in the standings and you would not be surprised? I think that's a good question. I could see them as a three seed, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I said home court advantage. Like, I, I said, yeah. you know yeah. – Three, four, five, that's my range for them. Yeah. Where I would not be surprised one bit. Yeah, I mean, it would be, like imagine them finishing over San Antonio. It sounds crazy, but I could see it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I could see it I for sure. I could see them as a fifty-four, fifty-five win team. Can you imagine? Oh, no. me, can you imagine being Towns and Wiggins also? I mean, you're going from absolutely sucking to one, you know, and being the like focal point leader, pretty much of your team. To, in one off season, getting Jimmy Butler, getting you know somebody like Taj Gibson, getting you know like your your world it's and your team, just, yeah, it's just completely changed. Yeah, I mean they could they could legitimately have a twenty game switch. I mean they could just legitimately have twenty more wins next year. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, Cole, it's been good. It has. Guys, I want to shout out Cole for coming on to the pod tonight. I have fun covering. We couldn't cover the cover the Mavs at the Smoking Cuban without Cole. We have fun tag teaming it together. We have a great staff, and the year's going to be fun. It's it, yeah. it might not result in wins, but we're going to have a fun fun year. This might be the most we've ever agreed together in one podcast. So we're going to treat everyone. Guys, we, we used to have a Smoking Cuban podcast back in the day. 
Shout out to Jay Nodell, even though he's probably not <laughs> listening to this. And we ran it three people, myself and Cole and Jay, which is a past editor of the Smoking Cuban. And we did this thing, and Cole and I, man, we would disagree all the time. And I'm sure if we had – we'll be on together again at some point. We'll have him as a guest again. We'll agree – we'll disagree on more stuff. But it's been fun. Cole, I appreciate you coming <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Guys, check out Cole. Follow him on follow Cole on Twitter. See what we're doing at the Smoking Cuban. We're covering everything with free agency and all of that. As always, follow Nick and what he's doing at Dallas Sports Fanatic. I gotta get that name right because they changed it. And we'll catch you soon. Peace out. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.